the offering buckets yet. And you guys are eager and excited and expectant, and I love that because so am I. What a great day to be at church. Good morning. Um, if you don't know me, if you are new this morning, I am not the lead pastor. I'm not Pastor Allen. Uh, my name is Cody. I'm the Connections Pastor here, which basically means I get to serve alongside our incredible Connect team, all of those greeters and parking lot guys and the people who made your coffee this morning. We get to serve you every Sunday. And then I get to call our first-time guests and help them get connected here in our house, specifically in small group ministry, which I am so excited about. We actually launched small groups again four weeks from today. Who's excited about that? That's amazing. At the beginning of 2017, we did not have a small group ministry here, and now we're about to launch 12 new interest-based groups in four weeks from today, which is such a victory for our house and um, for the people of our house. And so basically what that means is there's a group for everybody. So if you are married, if you want to be a part of a finance group, there's men's, there's women's, there's running, if you're into that. Maybe your New Year's resolution is to be more active this year, who knows. Um, but there are tons of groups for you, and so I hope you'll take advantage of that, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I'm just so excited um, for this new year and for this message today. Um, this is something God's been talking to me about and teaching me about for about six months. And so this is not something I'm a pro at. This is just a conversation we're going to have together and we're going to learn together because the Lord was still teaching me and convicting me even as I was preparing for this today. So I hope you're ready. I feel like um, the way that we approach 2018 could really change a lot of things in our lives. And I feel like God really wants to change our perspective on how we approach new things and new changes this year. So we're going to dive right in. Um, we're just diving into two verses today. So we're going to put them up on the screen for you. It's Romans chapter 9, verse 30. And it says, what does this all mean? Turn to your neighbor and say, what does this all mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, never succeeded. Why not? Look at your neighbor and say, why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. Will you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for all that you've done in this year, no matter what it looks like, that we are here today and we are breathing and we are hungry for you and that you've called us into this place for a purpose. And so, Father, I just pray that I would get out of the way and that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to every single person in this room, that you love us so much and you care about our hearts and you care about our approach to new things because you're the one that brings it to us. And so, Father, I just pray we have open arms this morning. Receive this word from you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're a big family around here, and so we all like to tease each other like brother and sister and staff meeting, which I'm sure Pastor Allen loves. Um, and so we all tease each other. And so a couple weeks ago, you know, I was saying, okay, I'm really excited for this message. I just feel like God's downloaded it into my heart. And Pastor Dan, our worship pastor, and Pastor Ryan, our kids pastor, you know, they're like, you feeling good, sis? And I'm like, oh, yeah, guys, I feel good. And they said, well, no pressure. Like, don't panic. But January, like December 31st, in between January and Christmas, that whole time is the lowest attended Sunday, like in statistics. So, I mean, good luck, though. Like, I'm sure it's going to be great. So, I'm like, wow, guys, thank you. Like, it's not about the numbers, but I just 
that to say, before we dive in, that we are beating statistics in here, because y'all look great. So give yourselves a round of applause. Um, but I don't know about you, but I am actually really excited that 2017 is over. How many of you would say 2017 was like one of your best years yet? Like you loved it. It was amazing. Okay, we have a few. How many would say, you know, it was just another year for me, nothing big, nothing crazy, don't really care, okay. And then how many would say, I did not like this year at all, goodbye 2017, see you later, 2018, bring it on, okay. So we have a few for each, and then we also have a few that didn't participate, that's fine too. Um, which probably means you don't care, but let me tell you, I am in that group that is glad 2017 is over. I don't know if that's bad to say that, but I am just ready, it's over. Um, so that being said, God's done some incredible things and he's taught me a lot of things, but I feel like it's one of those situations where like he has a gold nugget for you and he's like, Hey, this is going to be great, but you have to dig through a swamp of mud to get there. So there is a lot of those. And so now I'm just kind of like, okay, I have the gold nuggets. I'm covered in mud and I'm just ready for 2018. Anyone else with me? Anyone like that? So that being said, I am such a planner. Me and my best friend, Destiny, we've gotten together every year to set new goals for the next year. And so I'm so big into that. And I mean, I have everything ready. I have a new planner. I have a new journal. I cleaned out my closet. My pantries are empty. And I'm like, new year, new me. You know how guys like put that on Facebook and they're like, it's a new year and a new me. And I'm like, it's really the same you, but I'm really glad that you're excited to change things. And so that's me. I like every year, I'm like, this year I'm going to be different. Like, I'm going to be so amazing this year. Um, but this year, as we were doing goals, I said, you know what would be a good idea? Is if we reflected on the goals we had before. Which, let me tell you, that actually sucks a lot of the fun out of it. Because then you realize that, oh my gosh, I didn't keep any of these goals that I actually set for myself. For instance, I shot really low. And I was like, Cody, this year we are going to be fit, right? Like we are going to work out just twice a week. I shot, I mean, I shot real low, like twice a week and we're going to go on a walk. And this is probably the least active I've ever been in the whole year. So I see these goals and I'm like, not even two days, Cody, you couldn't do two days. Right. And so I reflected. And so it just made me really excited about the new year and these new goals. And so maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you are a planner. Any planners in here? Anyone already have their goals written out? Yeah, I feel like when I write them down, they're like carved in stone and God sees and I'm like accountability. This year, I'm going to have accountability. So um, I don't know if you are a planner, but whether you're a planner and you have everything set or you're not a planner, which you should have some vision. I mean, the Bible does say people without vision perish, so good luck with that. Just kidding. It's fine. But you should every, no matter what place you're in this morning, whether you have a whole list of goals written out or you're like, it's just another year, who cares? I know that at the core of who we are, we all desire change in some area of our life, right? There's always an area of our life that we need a little bit more hope, and we want a little bit more change, and we wish things were different. There's always a heart that could use some healing, or a body that could use some strength, or a house that could use some remodeling, right? Like, there's always an area of our lives that could use some change. And so you're in one of two places today. You are passive, and you're like, well, you know, this is just the way it's going to be. It's the way it always has been. Nothing's ever going to change. You know, I'm just going to have to live like this, die like this. This is just it. I've tried in the past, and this is just how it is now. Or you're the planner, 
and you're like, I'm going to fix everything, I'm going to micromanage everything, and I'm going to control everything to make sure it's all taken care of. And I feel like this morning, God wants to shift our perspective from both of those stances, that neither one of those are the way that he wants us to step into 2018, because both of those are a performance, right? We put on a performance. And so the title of my message today is Posture Over Performance. Because I believe that God doesn't want us to go into a new year performing and acting the way that we always do, but to truly change our posture towards him and towards those places in our lives that we are discontent. Amen? So, I believe that as we look into 2018 with eager hearts and we look into this verse, we're going to learn a little bit about what that looks like. So, going to verse 30, it says, Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, They were made right with God, and it was by faith that this took place. Anyone had faith in God but sinned against him and kind of went out on your own thing and kind of didn't really care about him and didn't read your Bible, but then he still blessed you and didn't rip out everything good underneath you, and for some reason you were still made right with him, right? Anyone can relate to this verse? So that's what's happening right here. And then, verse 31, but the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Anyone try to get on God's good side? Read the Bible every day, come to church, get on the surf team, like, oh, he's going to be really impressed now, right? He's going to love me now. He's going to bless me now. Why not? Verse 32. Look at your neighbor and say, why not? Why doesn't this work? Why don't all my efforts work, right? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. Instead of trusting in him. They were performing. We do this all the time. We think A, B, and C is going to get us to where we want to go. We, we say, okay, I'm going to do this list of things, and I expect this result. Right? We change who we are sometimes to get on someone's good side. We've done that. I remember when I was in middle school, I was not cool, which I know shocks you because I'm so cool now, right? Um, but I was not cool in middle school. Like, I was that girl with the middle part and the braces, but there was still a gap in your teeth with the braces. And, I mean, it was just awful. Like, I, I paid so much money, like, all of my Christmas money for my poor parents. Like, they just, they'd give me Christmas money, and I'd spend all of it on one shirt that said Hollister or the ones that said, like, Abercrombie on the butt, which no one should wear. Students don't wear those. Um, and, I mean, it was just bad. And I would sneak, like, cheap Maybelline eyeliner on the bus and make my eyes look like raccoons because my mother would never let me leave the house like that. And I tried so hard to be friends with these girls who were doing these things. But that was not me at all. Again, not cool. And so I was trying to be so cool and trying to get on their good side. And sure enough, they accepted me because I had the right clothes and the right look somehow. Um, But at the end of the day, I would still come home and not feel valued and not feel loved and not feel accepted by them because I was putting on a performance. Do you think on the weekends when I was playing with sticks in the creek with my friends that I had eyeliner on and Abercrombie? No, I didn't, right? So I was putting on a performance for them to accept me. And we do this all the time in all areas of our lives. So how do we escape this pattern of performance? How do we escape? I believe there's three ways today, if you're taking notes, that we can escape the pattern of performance and change our hearts into a posture that's pleasing to God. Number one is get off the stage. Get off the stage. Humility. Little dose of humility. 
I can relate to this. Um, God actually brought this story to my mind as I was preparing this message. Um, I have been performing, if you don't know me, my background is actually in performance and in theater since I was like two years old. I mean, I feel like once I started walking, you can probably see it. Like I'm dancing, I'm acting out every TV show I see. Um, And my poor parents were like, please just stop and like go to sleep, you know, like just quit. And so the worst part is my poor sister, she is 12 years older than me, um, which you wouldn't know because she looks so young and beautiful. And so that's fine. We went to lunch the other day and someone's like, who's older? And I wanted to gouge my eyes out. So, um, so, but she's 12 years older than me. And so you need to picture four-year-old me and 16-year-old her, right? So she's trying to go like hang out with boys and talk on the phone and like go shopping with her friends. And I'm like, no, sis, we're doing acting tonight. Like get your costume on. Let's go. Get ready. And my favorite thing to act out was um, Pocahontas and Snow White. Those were, you know, obviously. I have the dark hair. It just made sense. And so, I mean, I would direct the whole production. I mean, I need you, I need you to really get this. So, like, the dining room is over here, and the couch in the living room is here. And so I would drag out the, the spinning fan from my parents' room, because obviously I need my hair to blow in the wind, like in the movie. And so I would set it there, turn it on high, and I'd be like, all right, sis, what's going to happen? I don't know if you're familiar with the scene. Pocahontas is like on this rock, and her hair is blowing, and she turns around, and she sees John Smith, and then he's like, Pocahontas. And it's like this whole like dramatic moment, and she's like, yes, female power. And I'm like, Pocahontas is great. And so I would draw the thing on my arm, and I'd be like, all right, Leisha, here we go. You're by, the, you're by the dining room table, and when I turn around and say, John Myth, because I couldn't even say it yet. I'm not joking. My mom tells this story all the time. She's like, and I'm like, when I turn around and say, John Myth, you better be ready to look at me with intent and say, Pocahontas. And I mean, I want you to have your heart in it. So my poor 16-year-old sister, I mean, is like, you know, I'm here as fan, and I'm like, ready and action. John Smith, you know, the, the hair is like blowing like in, in the movie. And she's over here 16, like Pocahontas, like let's go. And so I remember one day my mom being like, Cody, you know, you should let Leisha be Pocahontas. And I, I, I mean, you would have thought someone ripped my heart out. And I said, are you kidding me? I am the star of the show. I am Pocahontas. I am the director, I am the producer, and I am Pocahontas. No one will take this from me, right? And I feel like that's how we are in so many times of our lives where God tells us to do something that makes sense, like show kindness or let someone go first. And we're like, no, no, no. I'm the star of this show. This is about me. It's not about you. I'm in control. I'm the director. I'm the producer. And I'm the star. And I know you sent your son down to die for me and you want me to do and be a part of your story, but my story's way better. How often do we do that, right? And so I feel like the first step to get away from this pattern of performance is to get off the stage and take a pill of humility, right? And be like, you know what? This actually isn't all about me. This is about you. And you sent your son to die for me. And you put the Holy Spirit inside of me so I can be a part of a beautiful story of your kingdom, showing your glory and being a part of your miracles that you would allow me to do that when you're good and you're faithful and you're holy and you're my father and you protect me and I can trust you. But instead of being a part of your story, I'm going to build my own stage and I'm going to get up on it and act like I'm the star of the show. And then you look out into an audience of empty people who don't even care about you, right? 
when God invites us to be a part of his story. Proverbs 28, 26 says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. In wisdom, he loves you. He has a plan for you. He is inviting you to be a part of a beautiful story. And a lot of times the reason that we're discontent is because we're doing something we never should have been doing, right? I am not a good singer. I'm not. But I bet if I spent my whole life taking singing lessons and investing my money in that and working really hard in that, I could be a mediocre singer. But why would I spend my life doing something mediocre when God's called me to have for another gifting or another calling in me that I might never find out because I'm trying to produce my own show, wow. right? I mean, have you heard those stories of people who get saved and immediately they have a gift or a passion that ignites in their spirit? I've heard stories of artists who didn't even know the Lord, and as soon as they know the Lord, they started painting, and now they're selling paintings all over the country, Right, moments like that when we realize this isn't about me and it's all about him, so I'm going to get off the stage. And the best part is he doesn't even require you to have it all together. He's not asking you to be the star. He's not asking you to have the perfect resume to get cast, right? In 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29, it says, Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful, not many of noble birth. But instead, God's chosen what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God's chosen what's weak to shame the strong. He's chosen what's insignificant and despised in the world, what's viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. So that no one can boast in his presence. And he chooses you. And he wants you to be a part of the show. And he is the director, not you. So number one is to get off the stage. Look at your neighbor and say, get off the stage. The second way we can break the pattern of performance in our lives is to drop the script. Drop the script. How many of us know that we can be our own worst critic, right? How many of us know that knowing God's truth and word at the forefront of our mind is a daily choice because the enemy is constantly trying to send us other messages and other words? The other day I was getting ready. And it's just like the enemy. I was putting on my makeup, and I felt the enemy just whisper to me, like, you aren't loved. You're not valued. You're not beautiful. You got a zit on your face, right? Like, things like that. And how sad would it be if I would have picked up that script and held that and read that all day? And I would have been timid and shy and insecure. Probably wouldn't have been myself. Probably wouldn't have been bold or loud or funny or whatever it is. I probably would feel terrible about myself all day and not greet the lady at Kroger and not want to spend time with my friends because the enemy's feeding me lies. But if I have the right script and I have the true script, then I can say, no, I know that's not true because my father says I'm chosen and I'm loved and I'm beautiful and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and this pimple's gonna go away, right? Because I dropped the wrong script. You gotta let it go. And so, so many times in our lives, not just when we're getting ready, but we just pick up this script of negativity of bad attitude, of complaints. And we have such a beautiful life in our hands that God's asked us to steward, but instead we're just complaining. My favorite one is the script of if only, right? If only I won the lottery. If only my spouse acted different. If only I had more money. If only my house didn't do this. If only. And we pick up this script of negativity and if onlys and I hate when there's a beautiful script that we can actually fill our minds with every single day. 
And so, don't get me wrong, I know that there are some times in our lives that seem like there's no answer, and you're like, wow, my life is falling apart, and you expect me just to say, oh, everything's great, right? But there's moments in our lives where I understand the bank account is what it is. The divorce has already been finalized. The words have already been spoken. And you look at those things and you're like, I don't feel like declaring happy truths over my life right now because this is what's in my hands. And I have to steward that. But what do you do when you look down at your hands in a situation like that? Do you come to the Lord and say, hey, I need your help because I want to trust you right now, but it's really hard to trust you with this. So I need you to heal my heart and work in me about this. Do you seek counsel? Do you seek prayer? Do you say, it's really hard for me to declare your goodness, but I want to understand, and I'm going to get help to understand? Or do you say, this is what I'm dealing with, so I'm going to just pick up the first thing the enemy hands me and complain about it, never change it, be passive, and just say, that's the way it's always going to be. Oh, well, if only. God doesn't desire that for your life at all, right? And Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about them. And the best part is, if you don't know where to start, I know a story that has a lot of that in it, right? One of a God that's faithful to the faithless, who's good to those who don't deserve it, who makes everything work for the good of those who love him, who make new things out of nothing, who keeps every promise he's ever made, and it's all in this book. And so you're feeling discouraged, know that your name is in it. You're in it. And so if you don't like the story that you have, pick up the one you're a part of instead of picking up the one that the enemy hands you every day. You wonder why you're miserable. So drop the script. Look at your neighbor and say, drop the script. And pick up a good one. You don't have to say that, but I love that some people were so like, yeah, pick up a good one. All right, so number one, get off the stage. Number two, drop the script. And number three, remove the mask. Take off the costume. We have this terrible tendency to try to be something that we're not, right? And we have an even more awful tendency to not be honest with the people around us that God's placed there for us to confide in and not tell them what we're struggling with, right? Not in a pride way, but we walk around so boastful. But it's in the way that says, I'm fine. I don't need help. I don't need anything that needs to be fixed. I'm all good. I'm good just as I am. We walk around and we think we have everybody fooled, including God, I mean, we come in here and we'll say, oh, hey, Jane, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. When you cried yourself to sleep last night. Yeah. Or you're out to eat with your best friend and she's like, hey, how's your marriage going? And you're like, we're blessed. But you've been sleeping in separate bedrooms, right? Like God's put people in our lives for us to confide in and talk to. And even the ones we love the most, we put on a mask before we talk to them. And a lot of us put on a mask before we even come in here on Sunday mornings. We're questioning if God's even real or if he really is going to keep his promises. But we come in here and we're like, you're so good and holy. And then you go home and you don't talk to him for a week. And you actually curse his name. And you actually complain about him. And you're journaling about how you're just angry. Right? Who are you confiding in? Because who are you wearing your mask around? You have to remove the mask. Because we think we have everyone fooled. But in Job 5.13, it says, he catches the wise and their craftiness. Isn't that good? We think we're so crafty. We think we're so cool. We think we have everyone tricked, 
Another translation of this says, the master sees through the smoke screens of know-it-alls. We think we're so smart. And we think, oh, they'll never know they hurt me. Oh, they'll never know I think about that. Oh, they'll never know. And we put on a mask. And if you want me to really press for a second, that's why a lot of us aren't in small groups right now. Because you're afraid that someone will actually see inside the depths of your soul and see that you're not perfect and you don't have it all together. I'm just going to leave that right there. So, um, But don't get me wrong. I know, I know that there are reasons why we do this. There are. There are genuine reasons why we do this. And it's because a lot of us have gotten hurt or burned in a way and we're believing a lie from the enemy about ourselves or a lie about God. Maybe it was the father that didn't give you enough attention or celebrate you when you were younger. And so you're constantly looking for affirmation. And you just want someone to be proud of you. Maybe it's that person that said, you can never do this and you'll never be this. And so now you spend all of your energy trying to prove yourself to everybody. Maybe it was that person that broke your heart and put this wound of rejection in your spirit. And so now you push everybody away because you don't want anyone to get close to you. Or maybe it was that personal failure you had. Maybe you messed up in your finances or your marriage or your career. And so now you, like, you feel like you have to control and micromanage everything and control everyone so that way you don't mess up again. There are reasons that we do this. That's why I love to volunteer and work with our students on Wednesday nights because, I mean, these are real things. If you have a wound and feel like you're not enough, how many know that a lot of people will sleep around to fill that void in their heart? Uh, so many teenage girls don't feel like they're pretty because maybe their parents or a friend said something mean to them or hurt them in some way, and so that's, they develop eating disorders. People don't wake up just deciding to do things like that because there's been a wound or a lie spoken to them, and so now they feel like they have to put on a mask. And the worst part is the enemy loves it. He doesn't want you to be honest or vulnerable with anybody. He wants you to, to slide your sin and your shame under the rug. He wants you to feel so bad about yourself. He doesn't want you to open up. He doesn't want you to admit what you're struggling with. He wants you to feel so sorry for yourself and so trapped that you hide under your covers and you never go out and do anything for God. That's what he wants. But God calls us to a life of integrity, and God's path for us is freedom. And the only way we can get to freedom is if we're free in ourselves and we're true to ourselves and we're honest with ourselves and with people around you. We perform and perform and try to produce something worthy. And we don't just do this in our friends' groups. We do this with God, too. We say, okay, God, you know, I want to be blessed by you. I want you to love me, and so I'm going to do my devotion every day, and I'm going to pray before I eat, and I'm going to do all these things because I want you to love me. I was trapped in that for so long, thinking I had to do A, B, and C for God to love me. And it's a lie. We don't have to put on a performance. God wants you to be free in who you are. You know, when I was little, um, like I said, when I was not being cool and playing in the creek with sticks and stuff, um, I would get splinters all the time. I would get splinters in my fingers. And my mom would say, okay, bring it to me. And she would put my finger on the counter like she was going to perform surgery. And that's exactly what she did. She would have a needle. Anyone ever had experience with this before? <laughs> She would have a needle, and she would dig that thing out. Oh, my gosh, it would hurt so bad. She would, like, break the skin, and then she would take tweezers and pull it out 
And then she would dump peroxide all over it, like it would burn so bad, and it would hurt so bad. But once she was done, it was all better. And I was like, that hurts so bad. And so I remember being a little girl, like losing trust for my mom. I was like, I can't believe you hurt me like that. Like, that, I'm never showing you this again. And so the next week, of course, I went out and I got a splinter and I didn't tell her. I hid it. I hid it from her. And sure enough, just a couple days later, my whole finger was purple. I mean, like, it got so infected. I hid it from her, and I came so shameful, like crying, like, I hid my splinter from you, and now my finger's going to fall off, right? And she's like, Cody, she wasn't angry at all. She said, come here, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you bring it to me? And so she did her surgery, and it hurt way worse that time than it did the time before. And I remember she put a Band-Aid on it, and I went out, and I was like, man, I'm never hiding that from her again. Because even though it was uncomfortable for her to remove the splinter, it healed. And I feel like so many of us have so many things in our lives and our hearts that need healing. But with our purple splinter fingers, we're hiding them behind our back and saying, no, God, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need you. And it's just getting infected. And it's getting worse. And it's getting painful. And you're realizing that you don't have the strength to do it yourself. So you need to go to your parent who you can trust and say, look, just like my mom, they're not going to be mad. He's not going to be angry with you and condemn you. He's going to say, oh, my gosh, why didn't you come sooner? Let me help you. Let me heal you. Let me take care of this for you. I love you. And so God wants to clear those things out for you today. He doesn't want you to perform because he knows behind the smile and behind the act, you have a hurt purple finger behind your back that you won't show him. And I just believe that as we go into this new year, he doesn't want us to act like we have it all together. He doesn't want us to build a stage of our own show and perform for everyone the way we think they want us to. He doesn't want us to be picking up the scripts that the enemy hands us and complaining and condemning everything he's already given us. And he doesn't want us to walk around with a mask on. He wants us to have freedom and be who he made us to be, the messy, broken person that we are. Can we put that verse back up in Romans 9? It says, the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God, some of you today have been trying so hard and you're still feeling empty and you come in here and you don't feel the butterflies and you don't know what's wrong. It says they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. Some of you come here, some of you are on serve teams, and you are not trusting God with a place in your heart. And I think rather than stepping into this new year with a list of to-dos and goals, we need to change the posture of our heart to say, I want to be exactly who God called me to be. And it might hurt, and the splinter is going to have to come out, and I'm going to have to get honest with some people in my life. And I'm going to have to swallow my pride and step off the stage and I have to make active choices to learn this script instead of the other one I've been reading. But God wants you to be a part of that. He wants to invite you to be in his story. And we're about to sing a song called Reckless Love. And it's about the goodness of God and how he loves you no matter where you are right now in your messiness and your brokenness with your purple fingers and all. Whether you're on the stage, whether you're wearing a silly costume, he wants to minister to you right now. 
And it's not about a performance. Don't worry about the people around you right now. Quit doing the performance. Drop the performance and change the posture of your heart and say, I don't care how silly it looks, but I'm going to come to this altar because I need to be renewed and restored by my Father. And he takes me just as I am. Will you stand?